This is LAC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. How many can just give the God a round of applause and worship him? Can you stand for a moment and worship that great God? I don't know about you, but I need to see his face. I need him, not just in the world, but I need him in my world. I understand that I can't live without him. It doesn't matter how major the decision is in my life, how small it is in my life, if Christ is not in the center of it. If he's not in it, then I won't see it the right way. Man, those kids, they minister to us. As they use their gifts and talents to, to bring those words, the amazing composer Kirk Franklin puts together. And I, and I love just the phrase of that song, this fix what I see. Let me see you. Let me see you in the midst of the storm. Let me see you when everything looks like it's broken and there is no hope. Fix what I see. Let me see it through your lens, not through my lens. Because my lens sees the brokenness. It sees what I lack, what I don't have. But when he enters into our world and we allow him to be a part of the mess that many times we're dealing with, he's able to see the door that he has prepared for us. His perspective is greater. His vision is greater. Fix what I see, Lord, so that I can see you in it. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this service. I thank you that we were able to have a service, Father God, Lord, that was a generational service. Father God, where it wasn't just led by our young people, Lord, and it wasn't just a service for young people, Father God, because I believe that you are a God of the generations. You are a, a God that transcends generations, and what a gift it was to see a family unit together leading us, Father God, fathers and sons and daughters doing ministry together, not just in compartmentalized in different spaces, and that's what I am praying, Father God, for your church, that we are not just the youth ministry, the men's ministry, the, the women's ministry, Father God, Lord, but what we experience today, Father God, can be the norm in your church. That uh, together as the family and, and the leaders that you place over your students and care can work together united to see, Father God, Lord, the latter day glory that you have for us. The last day anointing falling, Father God, on our sons and on our daughters. I thank you, Father God, for Lake Erie Church and what you are doing in this place. But I thank you all the more, Father God, Lord, for what you still have in store, Father God, our eyes have not seen, our ears have not heard what you still have prepared for this house. Holy Spirit, you've been in this place, and as we get ready to hear your word this morning, I pray, Lord, that you speak to us in a mighty way. Amen and amen. How you doing, Lake Erie Church? It is an honor to be with you. It is an honor to be with you. You may be seated. Um, as uh, Pastor Dustin has said, my name is Max Reyes, and I have the honor in this season uh, to serve as the Youth and Discipleship Director here in this great state of Ohio, uh, a state that for the last year has quickly uh, gained our hearts, our appreciation, our love, um, and, and we feel at home. I am originally born in, in, uh, born in Jersey, raised in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So I'll share with Dustin and, and, and the team, we got to do some uh, dinner last night, and, and this felt like home. Ohio feels like home, real similar to Pennsylvania where I, where I was raised, so it was very easy for me to get connected, uh, not just to the state, but to the, to the people. And uh, so we are just so blessed to be able to serve you uh, through our state office. Our, our main focus is our youth and discipleship department, uh, but we get to serve alongside an amazing Bishop, Bishop Ron and Rochelle Martin, and, and with amazing Kingdom Advancement Director and Pastor Tim Oldfield. And everything that we do, we do it as a team. Uh, uh, we're united in, in just serving uh, our greatest passion and understanding that our state office is here for the local church. It's not the other way around. 
The local church is not here for us at the state office. We're here to serve you. And in any way that we're able to do that, know that we are here for you. I am a little sad this morning because I find myself alone with you. I'm torn because even though I am with new family, you may be meeting me for the first time, but how many know we're family? Whether you like it or not, you're stuck with me. We are family. One, one of the things, and you'll see, I, 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 I like to joke around. I hope that's okay. I believe the joy of the Lord is our strength. Okay, so I, I hope that is okay. And if it's not, you just got to deal with it for about two hours. I'm just saying. But uh, we're a family. One of the things that I love about salvation is not only that it brings us into relationship with Christ, but it brings us into relationship with one another. So you may come from a small family, but once you're grafted in to the family of God, you are now part of a large family. And not just a large family. You are part of a diverse family. A, a, a family that looks a little bit different than probably when you first arrived. And, and I love that. So know that in me, you don't just have a youth director that is just serving you at, at a state level. No, in Max Reyes Villanueva, you have a Dominican and Puerto Rican cousin, brother, nephew, grandson, son, whatever your age bracket is, throw me in there because uh, we are family. I am just praying that after our time together, I'm not that family member that you don't want at the family reunion. We all got one. Come on. We all got at least at least one of those that when you get to the family reunion, you're like, oh, I hope Pepe is not coming. I hope he got something else to do. I just hope that that's not me and that you say, hey, we, we want Max to, to stick around a little bit longer. But the family's not complete because my wife and my two beautiful girls are not here uh, with me. That is my wife, Rebecca. That is the princess slash queen of the house. She thinks she's the queen now. Uh, Elena, she is five years old. And then there is Zoe. And uh, Zoe uh, came to us after a, a miscarriage. Uh, and we gave her the name Life, not realizing how much we were declaring over her before she arrived. Um, so she came full of life. And she is the reason we have stopped at two. Um, <laughs> So uh, keep, keep my family in prayer. I, I believe, I, I preach the importance of local ministry and, and our kids being in connected to kids' ministry and youth ministry. And, and as much as I would love them to just be able to travel with me over the time, I would uh, not be taking care of my first ministry, which is my family, if I just had them on the road with me all the time and didn't allow my girls the opportunity to be a part of a local kids' ministry where they can connect and grow the same way that I want your kids to connect and grow. So uh, keep them in prayer while we are having church here. They are having church back in Columbus as well, but they send you your greetings. And again, since this won't be the last time, you will get to meet them in, in person. Uh, I'm ready, getting ready to dive into the word, but I just want to put up there a slide uh, with, we have some of our events coming up in, uh, in, in this uh, now fall season, two big ones that we have coming up that I just want you to please get your kids um, and your youth involved in. Our, my wife is doing one of our first uh, girls events in a very long time. We're going to be doing it, one on the north side of the state, one on the south side of the state. So please get your girls, I believe it's age 7 through 12, um, on there. Get your girls involved in that. And then in October, we had an amazing camp season. God did some amazing things in the lives of our students, in the lives of your students, because many of them were there. But in the fall, we are going to have our first all-state rally in a long time. I love our camp season, but we have two different camp locations uh, that uh, happen at the same time. So this is going to be one of those one opportunities that we have to really bring our state together, one Ohio, to really just work uh, together. So we are excited about that. And on our website, you're able to see everything that is going on in the youth and discipleship department. Uh, again, just so honored to be with you. Thank you, Pastor Bill and Shelly, just for allowing me the opportunity uh, to serve the house this morning. Uh, just so grateful for you guys, Dustin. Um, and Katie and your team for everything that you guys do uh, for our youth and our, and our young people. So just so grateful for your team and Naomi and Steven and what, all that they're doing uh, for our kids. How many are ready to dive into the word of the Lord? Uh, I, I'm ready to hear what the Lord has for us. And, and, and in this morning, in our time that we have together, I won't be before you for two hours. That was a joke. Don't, don't disconnect from me uh, just yet. It'll only be an hour and a half. So in our time together... 
uh, I, I just want to, to share under the topic created for greatness. Created for greatness. And I, I just want, want to start off reading two verses that I, I hope that you can just jot down and, and just keep with you as, as just a reminder of what we are going to be talking about. And, and one thing that I love to tell my young people is, because I know you guys have your phones and you're probably going to pull them out while I'm speaking anyway, and I will call you out if I think you're doing something now. I'm just saying. But, no, I won't do that. I won't embarrass you. But I love technology. I, I think that we can engage with technology. So uh, I, I am one that loves to, to encourage people to take notes, write it down on your phones. And I, and I usually tell my young people, hey, get creative with it. Get creative with it. You're going to see my, my, my tag on Instagram on there. Take notes of what we talk about. Um, tag me on there because then you may end up being one of those people that I just send out a, a $25, $30 gift card to Amazon or something like that. You never know what could come. So as you engage with the word, not only are you going to be fed with what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you today, but you probably could come out with an extra bonus uh, if you engage with it as well. So I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to 2 Samuel 22, 36. And then we're also going to read in Genesis 12, 2. You can, you can either open up your Bibles. Many of you will be turning on your Bibles, and uh, if you're turning it on on anything other than an Apple product, we will do a special altar call for you at the end of service. Um, I'm just saying, if, if you didn't realize it, you do need the Apple and Jesus to make it into heaven. He redeemed the Apple. I'm just, I'm saying, I, I'm joking, I'm joking. Pastor Bill, you may have to fix some of my theology after this. I may mess up some stuff, but uh, I, it won't be too bad. It won't be too bad. Second Samuel, if you don't mind, if we could just stand for the reading of the word of God, you have a young youth director, but I, I have some old school ways and believe that we reverence the word of the Lord. Second Samuel twenty two thirty six says, "You make your saving help my shield. Your help has made me great. Your help has made me great." Genesis twelve two, speaking to Abram, he says, "I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you." And I believe we can apply this to us as well. The Lord wants this for us as well. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Again, God, thank you for your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you have your way. Don't let me get in the way of it. I pray that you open up our ears to hear, our eyes to see. Don't just tickle our emotions. Go past that, Father God, in your word that is living and true. Allow it to confront us this morning so that we don't leave here the same way that we came, but we leave here transformed by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Church, you and I, we, we have been created for greatness. Can I tell you that regardless of your circumstances, regardless of the life you have lived or the life that you may be currently living, whether the equation, it adds up or, or not, the reality is that you and I, we have been created for purpose. Each of us have been created with a plan. We have been, you have been created for something great. I don't want you to simply take my word for it, but we can go to the source that as believers, as followers of Christ, we know that we can find the truth and we can find the answer to all of our problems. It is the source that has the answers to all of our questions, and it is the way that I believe that God desires to speak to us most of the time. Now, now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God can't speak to us through through people. He can't speak to us through things that we see in, in his creation. Absolutely. I believe that he can do that. But I believe that the way that he has really designed to speak to us is through his living word. And we don't have to go too far into the book of life to understand that we have been created for greatness. That when our life, the life that we have been created to live is aligned correctly, it will be a great one regardless of our circumstances. The, the, the first book, the first chapter, the first verse begins with God speaking to us about creation. 
In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 25, God begins to show us, he begins to give us a picture of how he spoke everything into existence. He says that he created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He separated the, the, the sky from the ground and the water from the land. He, he spoke the vegetation into existence. He, he spoke all kinds of animals into the land, into the sky, and into the, the, the water. He spoke the entire world into existence. And he said that it was good. Do, do you know what the translation for the Hebrew good is in English? It's good. I don't know what it is either. I, I'm not that bright. I'm sorry. But uh, a mentor of mine said, Max, if you throw a little Hebrew in your sermon prep, it's going to make you look a lot smarter than what you really are. So you got a little homework to find out what it is in Hebrew, because I just literally threw the word Hebrew in there. But this is this is God saying that what he has just created is good. So if it's God saying that he created it to me, that has to translate it as what he just did was something great. It was something out of the norm. It was something amazing. It was something out of this world, even though what he was creating was the world. He saw all that he had spoke into existence and he said that it was good. Now we, we arrive and we get to verse 26, and after looking at everything that he created and seeing that it was good, God says something, and he does something that makes the next step not just good, but great. In Genesis 1, 26 through 28, then God said, let us make mankind in our own image and in our likeness. Let us make mankind in our own image and in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image and in the image of God, he created them. He says it a lot, almost as he knew we were going to miss this a lot of times. He wanted us to understand it. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I don't think there should be any confusion. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in numbers. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And in five days, God created an amazing earth, but on the sixth day, he created his greatest creation. And he didn't just create us, but he said, let us create man. Let us create humanity in our own image and our own likeness. And how many believe that we serve a great God? That you serve a God that is bigger than any problem, that is bigger than anything that you've had to face before. JoJo said it, we, we try to search and we try to find all over, but many times we come back broken even more because we haven't been able to find that thing that is great enough to fill the void in our life. But the God that you and I serve, the God that you and I have been created in image and likeness, that is a great, great God. He's great. And if we have been created, if his word is telling us that you and I have been created in the image and likeness of this great God, the message can end there. That is enough for us to be able to leave here today understanding that we have been created for greatness, that we have been created with a purpose. And I want you to understand, just like anything invented or created by man reflects the nature, reflects the purpose and intention of its creator, mankind has been designed to reflect the greatness of our creator. God has created this lesser creature. He's created man in order to be able to demonstrate his great glory here on earth. He created Adam and all mankind after him for greatness. You have been created for greatness. Can I tell you if, you, if you have been saved, if you received the Lord as your Lord and Savior, he didn't simply give you that gift so that you can have a first-class ticket to heaven. You weren't saved to simply say, okay, I'm good. 
I got my way in. No, he has saved you so that you can make a great impact here and now. He has created you and he has saved you with a purpose for now. You may not be able to see it. You may not be able to fully understand it. You may question it. You, you may think that you don't have nothing to give, Max. You don't know me. You, you don't know where I come from. You, you, don't, you don't know the family that I come from. You don't know my backstory. You don't know that I don't have the resources to, to really do anything. Maybe say, Max, I, I struggle in school. I, I'm not that, 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 that smart. I can understand that with you because I was one of those that barely graduated and thought that I didn't have much to give. But God does want to bring something out of you. And he will get you to where he needs to get you. And the Lord works in mysterious ways. I'm being, I cannot be real. I said we're family. I, I don't want to be fake with you guys. I cannot be real with you guys. I, I was one of those. I, I struggled in high school, struggled through school. I'm still crawling through school right now trying to get done because it is important. And I want my girls to see her dad having fully his education. So I'm walking through it, but it's a struggle. High school was, was tough for me, but the Lord works in mysterious ways. So in my case, he gave me a real smart brother that's a year younger and was in AP courses. <laughs> and not only that, but then he put him in my class and set him right next to me. Thank you, Jesus. So we made it to the finish line together. I'm telling you, he even cares about, about the little, little things. But the reality is that because of what we lack or what we think we don't have, many times we say, there's nothing God can do with me. What, what, there, there's nothing great that can, that can really come, come out of me. But when I, when I get into his word and I begin to really study it and see how he wants to speak with me in different ways, I begin to quickly to see that every time or most of the time God called somebody to do something great or to do something big, he always called them to do something greater than what they could do in their own might. Call them to do something greater that they could do with their own ability and their own strength. We, we see it in the life of Moses, a man that God calls to be a voice of freedom for his people, but yet he was a man that, 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 that stuttered, stuttered couldn't, couldn't get words out in ways to be able to communicate with people, but yet that is who God calls to be a voice a freedom to a people that were enslaved. We, we see it in a young boy that many of us would count out and say, no, no, you, you're, you're not old enough to understand the things of God. We, we, we see it in Samuel, who was a young boy like, like many of our kids here today, who, who was around the church, lived in the church, understood the church, but really didn't understand who God was in his voice. So we would count him out today and say, no, he, he's not ready for a task that might be great, for a task that we would put over adults or people that are seasoned in, in the faith, but yet we see that God calls this little boy that didn't know how to recognize God's voice and he entrusts him with a harsh news. Not that he just has to give to anybody, but he gives to his mentors to let them know, hey, your kids are acting a fool. Your kids are, are acting up. And not only that, but he becomes his his replacement. God trusts this young boy with a task that we would seem fit for a man. We, we see it in a life of, of somebody that we all know about and we know as being a great man of God. We see it in the life of David who killed giants and was a, a king of kings. But yet he was a young boy that his father didn't even think he was good enough. To at least simply stand in the line. He didn't even get invited in the room. I'm like, come on, dad. Can I at least stand in the line? I don't got to get chosen. You don't got to think that I'm chosen, but at least make me feel good. His dad didn't even invite him into the room. But God saw him. God saw what, what nobody else saw. He said, yeah, he may not look like he has much. These guys ain't it. These guys ain't it. And he becomes 
a, a giant killer. He becomes a king's king. He becomes the man that we know as the man after God's own heart. And I could go on and on uh, and mention people that God called up that we would not think are qualified, but yet he qualified them because God is not worried about our circumstances. He's not worried about how things may look. He's not worried about the abilities. He's not worried about what you are able to bring to the table. Can I tell you, he's not worried about your mess ups and your failures. We have to understand that God wants to use the meek. He wants to use those that, that can't take any credit for the great things that he wants to do in your life. He wants to use those that, that have to rely on him so that when you do walk in your identity and purpose, all we can say is, look what our great God has done. Look what he's done. And a great man or woman of God is one who simply goes low before the Lord. One who says, God, here I am. With what I have and what I don't have, with what I lack and with what I have, Lord, I place it before you and use me for the purpose that you've created me to be. True greatness is, is when we achieve the reason for which we've been created for. And by reaching our greatness, by walking in our divine purpose and in the image of God, God's name is made even greater. In Psalms 8, the psalmist David, he gives us a picture of how great God is by showing how small you and I are. He shows us how God is even greater for placing greatness inside of such an incredibly small creature. But yet entrusting them, entrusting you and I to take care of this world. He says in Psalms 8, he says, he says what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and yet crowned them with glory and with honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and you put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. Compared to this world, you and I are but a spot on the wall. We are a, a tiny and small, but as tiny and small as we are, we serve and we are created to magnify this great God. To make him known and make his greatness known. David says God chose this, this weak speck of a man to rule over his magnificent work. That man has all of creation under his feet. Who else but a great God can do something like that? We have to understand, church, that the greatness and the majesty God has given us only serves to give greater glory and greater honor and greater majesty to God. It yells out, look what God can do with something so small. How amazing is it that God entrusts us in this way? That our greatness depends on his greatness and not on anything that you and I are able to go offer. Our greatness isn't dependent on our abilities. Our greatness is not defined by how strong we are. It's not defined by what degree we have. It's not defined by what job we hold or what status we hold or how much influence we may have. Our greatness is found in simply embracing who God has called us to be and the image that he has created us in. And guys, we need to understand this church. We need to understand this because we may miss it, but the enemy's not going to miss it. But the enemy understands it. He, he knows that your greatness is connected to your purpose and that your purpose is connected to your image. That's why the enemy is working so hard to mess with the image of this generation. To mess with the way that this generation sees themselves. Because he understands, and not just this generation and our young people, but all of us. He understands that if he's able to blur the way that we look at ourselves. If he's able to blur our, our image and understanding who and what we've been created for. Then we're going to be disconnected from our greatness. He'll be able to disconnect us from our purpose. 
That's why he's out. And I believe his, his greatest attack is against our perspective of identity and greatness and the way that we look at it. He doesn't want you to know that God has created you with a great purpose, that he's given you glory and honor and dominion over all things on this earth. That the enemy wants to redefine what greatness is and where greatness is, is truly found. Yes, we've been created for greatness. We, we were created to, to rule in areas of influence that the Lord has granted us, that the Lord has, has given us. We've been created to be great and to make God's greatness known in this world. The enemy wants to confuse what that looks like. Wants to change the way that we look at ourselves. Wants us to look at a reflection that has been distorted. I don't know if you've ever looked into a broken mirror. You can look into a regular one and see your image and see exactly how you are. But if you ever look into a shattered glass of glit, still put together, you can look through it. You can still see yourself through it. But there's pieces that have been broken and are still there that begin to distort the image that once looked so beautiful. Now the enemy doesn't completely allow you to not see who you are. I, I can still, I still see Max in a broken mirror. I, I still see myself, so I, I see glimpse of what I look like, but it becomes very difficult to see the clarity of it because of the pain and the brokenness and what I've had to live and, and what I feel like I don't have. So all of those pieces begin to look like, okay, I, I, I might not be as, as beautiful as the Lord said as I am. I may not be as called as I say I am. I may not be who I'm supposed to be because look at it. Look at all these pieces that begin to, to take my focus and begin to distort my view of how I look at things. Our image is distorted. We begin to live out a life that we haven't been called to live that doesn't align with the one that God has called us to live in. We begin to look at this thing called greatness as either something that we can't achieve and we can't do big things. Or we begin to distort it and say, you know what, I, I'm going to do great things, but it's, it's for myself. It's so I can gain. It's so my family can benefit. It's so, so I can have more and more and, and, and more. And it's distorted. We begin to think that we can't speak that language of, of saying that we have been separated for greatness and walk, called to walk in, in greatness. Max, that, that, Pastor Max, that don't sound too good. That, that sounds prideful. I know that if you walked into my house and you saw me standing in front of a mirror saying, Max, you look great. Max, you've been called for greatness. You're going to probably go in and say, man, Max is conceited. What's wrong with him? But we need to speak that over our children. We need to speak that over them. You need to speak that over yourself. That's, that's not bad language. We need to speak over not what words, because it's not our words, it's his words. We're speaking his words over ourselves, but the enemy wants to distort it. That, that can't be right, Max. That sounds, that sounds prideful. And doesn't God also say in his word in Proverbs 3.34 that God has no room for conceited people, but he shows favor to those that are, that are humble? He says the same things in James and Peter, so he must really, really mean it. It doesn't sound too spiritual to say that I am great. When we go down to, to Mark, we see an amazing story in Mark 10, 3 through 5. A, a request that the closest followers to Jesus, his disciples, two of them begin to give him a request as they've been navigating life with him. And they see that Jesus is who he says he is. He's the true Messiah and he's doing great things. And he's saying, hey, come and follow me. I want you to see what God is going to do. And you one day will, will do greater things than these. So they begin to walk with Jesus. And we got to remember that the disciples and these men and women that we read about in the Bible, they were human like you and I. 
think a lot of times when we preach about the people in the Bible, Pastor, it, it, a lot of times we can talk about them as, as if they were just higher beings or on this pedestal and they weren't men and women with issues, with problems like you and I. Living in the same world that you and I live in. So James and John, the son of, uh, of Zebedee, come to Jesus one day after they've been walking with him for a while. And they, and they begin to feel themselves like, yeah, we're, we're with the man. And we are, we're great, we're going through great things. And they began to feel like they were even closer than, than probably the other disciples. And again, that, that's the MRV version of the Bible. That's the Max Reyes version of it. So the Bible, it doesn't actually say it that way. But I told you, I'm Dominican and Puerto Rican. And if you haven't been around Caribbean Hispanics, we love to exaggerate things. So, so when I read the Bible, whatever I read about, whoever I read about, they become Dominican and Puerto Rican for a season. So I'm just saying. So, so I can imagine James and John having a little bit of boastfulness and pride in there because they're looking at greatness the way that the world looks at greatness. Position, authority. They're seeing that in, in Jesus who they're walking in. And, and, and they begin to go to Jesus and say, teacher, we, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And, and, and he says, okay, well, what is it that you, that you want? And they say, let, let one of us sit at your right hand and let the other one sit at, at, your, at, at your left hand when you go to glory. It was as if they were saying, hey, we want the best seats at the house. We're your greatest disciples. We're, we're, we're the closest ones to you. So, so that means that we got to be right next to you when, when we make it to, to glory. And Jesus tells them, you don't know what, what you're asking for. Can, can you drink of the cup that I'm going to drink? Or can you able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? And they're bold. Do you know what their answer is? Yeah. We, 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 we can be baptized in it. And, and, and this is my own words. It says if Jesus was saying, are, are you, I am great enough. I have greatness in me to, to, to do some of the things that you're asking for. Do, do you have the greatness in you? They say yes. And Jesus doesn't, he doesn't uh, tell them no. He doesn't try to, to say, no, that's not how it is. He replies saying, yes. He, he says, yes, you can and you will. You, you will be able to do things. But to sit at my right or my left, that's not for, for me to grant. Those places belong for who they've been prepared for. I, I can imagine the ten disciples thinking, how arrogant are these two? Who, who, who do they think that they are? I can imagine getting together. It's like, come on, guys. Really? You think you're better than us? You think you're, you're, you're great? And Jesus, seeing the conversation with, with those that are following him, who, again, are human like you, and I, I can imagine him sitting back for a little bit and just letting them go at it. Letting them go at it for a little bit before he comes to them, not in a sense of, of rebuke. Jesus answers to the 12 and he answers to James and John. He doesn't rebuke them for wanting greatness. He doesn't, you don't find it anywhere where he says, you guys are wrong for wanting to be great. Jesus, however, does redirect and re-educate them on how greatness is defined in the kingdom of God. Mark 10, 41 through 41 says, and I love how it reads in the message version. Whenever the other 10 heard this conversation, they lost their tempers with James and John. Jesus got them together to settle things down. You've observed how the godless rulers throw their weight around. And he said, when people get a little power, how quickly it goes to their head. It's not going to be that way with you. It's not going to be that way with you. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has come to do. You see me doing these great things, but the greatest purpose has come to serve. He came to serve, not to be served. Then to give away his life as exchange for many who are held in hostage. God is not opposed to greatness in you. He's not against it. In Genesis 12, 2, we read it in what God promised to Abraham. And I believe he promises to you, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make you great, but so that you can become a blessing. 
I will give you influence, but so that you can be of service and of blessing to others. In 2 Samuel 7, 9, God promises, David, I have been with you wherever you've gone, and I've cut off the enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. God is on the side of greatness. God is in favor of greatness. The problem was where James and John understood and how they understood greatness. The problem is that the enemy has blinded us. He's, he's blurred our perspective of greatness and we've forgotten where greatness is truly found. And we've as a church even adopted the concept that the world has for greatness. And we're not living in the greatness in the way that it is defined in the kingdom of God. We look at greatness as, as power, as, as wealth, as, as to be known. Greatness by the, the job that we have, as I said earlier, the degrees that we earn, the authority that we have over people. And Jesus is telling his disciples and he is telling us this morning, it's not about power. It's not about titles. It's not about authority. It's not about how you see people. He is telling them in the kingdom, I give you all these things so that you can serve people. So that as you serve them, they come to know who I am. He called even the disciples, people that would have never been called to walk with a rabbi. He called them into greatness. He called them to walk with greatness. But so that when he would leave and he would then Allow them to walk into an upper room and receive the gift that would empower them to now walk and live out that greatness that they had seen for three and a half years. And they would go out and do these things. People could not look at them, but they would have to look at the one that they walked with because they knew who they were before. They knew who they were just fishermen and tax collectors. But now these same men are walking with power, with authority, with greatness. And it put them in a place to then be able to, to just walk in that. Walk in their purpose. Walk in the identity that God has now given them. But to be able to say, you knew who I was before. You knew this isn't by my strength, but by my might. But I met a man that called me out, that set me apart, that gave me purpose, that gave me life. But not only that, he also gave us power through the Holy Spirit. And now what you're seeing us walk in, it's not us, it's him. And you can have access to the same thing that God has given us. Guys, you guys are getting ready to go back to school. And as you guys get ready to go back to school, your identity is going to be challenged. Who God has called you to be is going to be challenged. Some of you guys play sports. It's going to be easy to allow that to get to your head and think that, hey, God has given me this gift and talent so that I can, that I can be great in this thing. And yes, he wants you to excel. But he wants you to also give him glory and honor through that. He's given you influence in those areas of arts, of, uh, of education, of, uh, of sports, so that, yes, you can have a platform, but at the end of the day, that platform has to glorify God. Not just them, but God has placed you in a workplace. He's given you gifts and talents so that you can provide for your family, so that you can take care of those that he's entrusted you with in your home. But there's also a greater purpose and plan that God has there for you. Are you being a light in the darkness? Are you allowing him to shine through you? Or are you allowing the brokenness around you to dictate how you act in the place of influence that he has you in. And many times the place of influence that he has us in, it may not be a comfortable place for us. You may be saying, listen, I got an education. I thought I would be doing this, but I'm working in this place and I'm working here. God, what's going on? Why do you have me in this place? 
Could it be that there is a greater purpose? Could it be that there is a greater plan? But because we're thinking about our comfort, our position, what the title may look like, what the job may look like, that's what we're focusing on. We miss seeing what God wants us to see. Functioning in the way that God wants us to function. I guarantee you that when we fix our eyes on Jesus and walk in his purpose and plan, elevation will come. Promotions will come. He'll enlarge your territory. He'll give you more influence. But only when he knows he can trust you with it. When he knows you know how to hold on to the little so that when he releases the much, you are faithful with it. I'm going to ask the Lopez family to come up as we get ready to close. I don't know how you arrived here today. You may have arrived here again struggling because you find yourself lacking. Struggling because you're dealing with hurt, with pain. You're saying, God, I know that you called me. I know that you've separated. And God, you've given me word after word that you're going to do great things. But, but what I see doesn't line up with what you said. My present circumstance doesn't make any sense. How is it that you're going to see this through in my, in my family? And you told me that if I put you first, that you will take care of my family and my house will be saved. But yet, as we prayed earlier, my kids aren't, aren't here now. God, you said that you were my provider and that you said that I would not lack. But yet, I, I feel like I don't have what, what I'm, I'm needing. How are you going to be that in my life? Can I tell you that from our perspective, we only see the chapter that we're walking in right now. But from his perspective, he sees the full book. He sees the full story. So right now what we're seeing may feel overwhelming, may feel like, God, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, and I don't know how I'm going to walk in what Max is talking about right now. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Not only the author, the one that starts it all. Not only the, the, the finisher, the one that ends it and concludes it and knows the beginning from the end. But he is also the same God through the Son entered into the middle. Entered into our world. Entered into our brokenness. Enters into our shame. Enters into our doubts. When we don't see a way, when we don't see the answer, he, he enters in and he says, if you simply trust your creator, the one that knows your beginning from the end, but the one that is not afraid to step into the middle, the one that is not afraid to step into what you're going through, if you simply trust me, not with that part and that part, but with this part here, You'll see how I'll deposit the peace that surpasses your understanding. You'll see how I'll make strength available in your weakness. And as you allow me to be your God, as you allow me to work on your behalf and you rest in me, you'll see how I'll work out your situation, but I'll also free you up to walk in the greatness that I have for you. As you're allowing him to work out your battle for you, he'll open up your eyes to see other people who are going through the same thing, who find themselves in the same mess but don't know the hope that you have. Have not been acquainted with this God that is here to save the world. And as you're trusting God for your situation, you're at peace to speak into somebody else's situation who is seeing you struggling, who is seeing you hurting, 
but sees that there is something different about you. I don't know if this happens in your family, but in my family, those that aren't believers, many times the only time they call me to talk about faith or anything is when things are going wrong for them. When they don't have an answer to the solution, then it's like, hey, Max, I know you're the, you're the pastor, one of the pastors in the family, and can you, can you pray to God for me? And I tell you, if they don't see me being faithful in the difficult moments to my God, that is faithful and true to his word, those calls will not come in. It's because they've seen that even though things are messed up and things are broken and they see me experiencing a lot of the same things that they experience, they see that somehow there's a peace. Somehow there's still a joy. Somehow there's still something unexplainable that is greater that we can tap into. It doesn't come simply with this nature of ours that draws them to be able to say, listen, I don't know what you got. I don't know what it is. But I see you navigating stuff, but yet you react different. And I don't know how to do that. You come to work and there's something different about you. And that is the greatness that then we have been called to live in to then be able to serve them with the greatest thing that we can serve them with, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet. The Lopez family is about to lead us into this song that simply declares how great our God is. And today you probably around, arrived here carrying some baggage, some brokenness that, that, that has caused you to think, God, I don't see anything great happen. I don't see you moving. I don't know if I'm walking in what you've designed me to walk in. As we declare this song that is more than a song, but a declaration of who God wants to be, I want you to declare that this morning. And if you need specific prayer for something, don't leave here without prayer. We have our prayer team and our elders who are desiring to come alongside of you and to pray with you. You can find a spot here and they will join you in prayer. But I want us to lift up our voices as we declare how great our God is. And then we're going to enter in a time of prayer for our students because, guys, you are walking into the greatest mission field and God is going to do great things in you and through you. If you don't align yourself with the, dis with the distorting mindset that the enemy wants to try to sell you, but that you understand that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. So you're not an accident. There is purpose and plan. And even though you may not understand it all, even though you may not get it all, if you just trust him, you'll see that he will work it out. Can we just declare to the Lord how great he is? Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.